it's impossible to be spiritually mature and emotionally unhealthy. Everybody say it's impossible to be spiritually mature and yet at the same time emotionally unhealthy. And that's what's happened. That's what's happened in the church at Corinth. That's what happens in a lot of our churches. We have people who, who I think have made a decision for Christ, but because they have not dealt with that stuff that's beneath the surface, the iceberg, the 90% that's below the surface, that stuff that you've been holding from childhood, that stuff that you've been holding from that last bad marriage or relationship that you're in, and you have not allowed the Holy Spirit to deal with that stuff, the hurt, the pain, the, the emotional uh, turmoil. And so now what it does is it shows up in your actions, even even though you've accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you can wonder how can the world could that person act like that and they know Jesus? Well, I mean, people that know Jesus act a fool sometimes. But what we're after today, and I, as your pastor, I want to, I want to, I want to give you the, the the biblical tools and the study material to help you deal with your emotions and allow God into that area that's beneath the surface. Amen. So that's just, that is critically important. Uh, we're going we're gonna to pick back up uh, with this, uh, this, this teaching here uh, in this 19th verse. And I, I want to share this with you guys. This is really important because one of the things that, that we discovered about James, this book of practicality, it's, it's, a, it's a great study tool to help us to, to, to understand how to get this word uh, down in our spirit so it, it applies to every area of our life. One of the things that, uh, and I'm going to talk a little bit about anger today. Uh, because, uh, you know, that's what we're going to pick back up where we left off. And James talks about dealing with anger, how anger, uh, and how you handle and manage anger is a window into your spiritual maturity or lack thereof. Can I get a witness? One of the things that Maria and I, uh, try to do is whenever we're going around eating, uh, we, we went, uh, you know, uh, on this past, uh, Friday, Friday, past Thursday, we celebrated uh, our 35th wedding anniversary, I told you on last week. Uh, and what we did was we commemorated that by going to the first place we ever went to on our date. Uh, my first date uh, with Sister Maria when we were in college, I took her to Burger King. Come on, shut it up. Well, I was, high, I was in high cotton when I, I, took, <laughs> I took the Burger King staff and uh, at Burger King, uh, uh, the order, and we ordered that on yesterday. Our, our anniversary meal, guys, was Burger King. And it was a whopper with cheese, no onions, add mustard, cut it in half. That was the that was the meal on our first date. But one of the things that we started doing when we go to the different fast food restaurants, because we noticed that there, there are certain ones who, because of lack of training or whatever, sometimes you go to people feel like you almost think they're mad at you for coming. Have any of y'all ever experienced that? And so what we decided to start doing, we said, you know what? Whenever we drive up to a fast food restaurant, we normally you don't tip at a fast food restaurant. But what we say, every time that we drive up to a fast food restaurant and that person is, is, is friendly, uh, providing great customer service, make us feel like it's a privilege for them to serve us by giving us the food that if we did not come and buy it, they wouldn't have a job. But that doesn't, that disconnects for a lot of folks. But what we said is every time we experience that, we're going to we're going to we're going to tip that person real well. So uh, I remember we went to Brother Saints, uh, Brother St. Romain's brother's funeral and we were coming through Dorito, maybe in Leesville. We stopped at a Popeye's 
And, um, and the young lady was so friendly when we were taking the order and we came to the window. She was so friendly. You know what we did? We said, thank you for your, uh, your friendly service. We took out a $50 bill and tipped that lady $50 for just taking our order and being friendly. On yesterday, I mean, on last week, on, on, not last week, this past uh, Thursday at a Burger King in Tyler, Texas. We tipped this young lady $30 because she was super nice and very jovial when she gave us our order. And we're going to keep going around the city uh, tipping. So if you work at Burger King, McDonald's, or Popeye's, or one of these places that ain't friendly, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that or not. My, my team tell me you can't say that. I'm just telling the truth. Sometimes they're not friendly. So but when we find somebody who gives good customer service, we're going to bless them. We're going to bless them. We're going to keep blessing them. Because sometimes people be in situations, and I, what I discovered is, it's ma- majority of the time when people come out in anger towards you, you're not the real issue of the problem. You just happen to be in the way at the time they're going through the issue that they're going through. And so I know people need, need to know the Lord. I know people need to know how to, to walk in peace and, and how to walk in, in, in confidence assurance. So we're going to keep blessing folks. Who show that good service. Amen. That's just something that Maria and I said we're going to do. We're going to keep blessing folks who, who may not ordinarily get that kind of blessing. Amen. All right. So in James chapter number one, uh, verse number 19, we're going to read it from the New Living Translation. The text says this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Am I right about it? Watch this. Watch this. Next verse says what? Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Text says, so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. The word of God has the power to save your souls. Now get on last week, we began talking about the wall, and we know through our study that all of us, uh, at some point in time in our Christian walk, will have to journey through the wall. A wall is, I told you on last week, a wall is a, uh, is a uh, situation, it's a circumstance, it's a, uh, it's a, 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 a person or whatever that, that turns our world upside down. It, it, it could be a divorce, it could be a job loss, it could be the death of a loved one, it could be cancer diagnosis, it could be you got hurt in church. Uh, you, it, it could be that you were betrayed by a friend. It, it could be that you uh, you had a dream that you were, were hoping to come into manifestation, but that dream was shattered and you never uh, got to fulfill that dream. It, it may be you had a wayward child, whatever it was. Uh, we said that 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 wall that we have to journey through all of us at some point in time in our Christian walk on multiple occasions. We have to learn how to journey through that wall. And what God will do with that situation that we have to go through, that wall situation is he'll utilize it if we will learn how to go through it the right way. If we learn how to trust what his word says about it, journeying through that wall will will serve as a cleansing mechanism. It will serve as a maturing, a maturing process that will help us grow in our faith. So God uses those to do that. Now we talked about the fact that on last week, uh, when we gave you those, those stages, and y'all got those in your books, but so I won't go back and repeat those, but we began to talk about some key application concepts we learn about faith from the book of James. Because James, uh, I think, does a yeoman's job of, of extrapolating and sharing with us what faith walk really is. And to get down to the, to the nuts and bolts of the, get down to the nitty gritty, get down to where the rubber meets the road. 
And see, when our Christian faith and as your pastor, guys, I'm here to tell you, it's time out for playing. It's time out for just trying to placate people's feelings. I, I'm going to speak the truth to you, to you in love. And I tell you, that's my obligation to speak the truth in love. Now, when I speak the truth in love, I told you before, sometimes if you're not focused, if you don't realize that I'm saying this because I love you, not because I'm trying to hurt you or to embarrass you, you'll get angry with me. But I told you before, get angry, but get right. Everybody say get angry, but get right. All right. So 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 I'm going to share some things with you that, that hopefully will help. Help you in your walk and help me in my walk to get further along so that we can be effective in ministering the gospel to a world that solely needs to hear the gospel message. I told you before, we're not called to change the world by politics. Now, we ought to be engaged in the political process, obviously, but God called the church to transform the community by building relationships with people who are not saved and introducing them to the Christ that's inside of you. The love of God that abides on the inside of you should be so evident that people who who you come in contact with will be drawn to that Christ-like love that's on the inside of you. Are you listening to me today? So what are the key application concepts we begin to talk about? The first thing we say is we can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they refine our faith. We can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way. The Bible says, count it all joy in the KJV. When you fall into various temptations or tests, knowing that the trying of your faith produces patience. And when patience has had its perfecting work, you'll find yourself lacking, not lacking, not, not in need of anything. So when we learn how to, to, to accept those trials, those, those walls, those journeys through the wall as a faith refining process rather than something to be angry at God about. I want to ask you a question. Look at me. Y'all look at me. You look at me via live stream. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever in your life since you've been born again, believe it, been angry at God? Talk to me, guys. If we're honest, sometimes we get angry because we don't understand what God is doing, right? And I, I, I've been there before too where I, where, where I was angry. God, I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, I'm not God. And God knows way more than I know. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows what's happening a thousand years from now. God knew before this world was formed that this pandemic would come in the year 2020. Are y'all with me today? He knew that, that it was, it was coming our way. So God was not caught off guard. He was not caught by surprise. Amen. So, so when we look at this thing, let's, let's, let's watch this now. We're going to, so, so since God was not caught off guard, since God knows exactly where we are and what we're doing, where we're coming from and where we're going and what we're giving to go through, wouldn't it be wise for us to trust God in the midst of uh, uh, whatever's going on in our life, wouldn't it be wise for us to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith? Can I get a witness? It would be wise to do that so we can keep joy in our hearts when trials come our way, knowing that they refine our faith. So when you're going through something, know that this is a refining process that God has taken me through as a born again believer. Can I get a witness? Now, guys, listen to me carefully. Let's go to the next one. We said faith recognizes that our temptations come not from God, but from our own inner sinful nature. Everybody read it. Say, faith recognizes that our temptations 
come not from God, but from our own inner sinful nature. Our inner sinful nature. So when we, when we are tempted, we are drawn away by our own lust. Can I get a witness? So the third thing is where we left off, and I want to jump into this today. Faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reactions. Faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reactions. Now, I need to see the hands of everybody in here who has ever had an opportunity or since you've been born again have reacted out of anger to a situation and that reaction was not God-ordained. Anybody in the house? All right. I think every hand is raised and y'all viewing live stream probably can say the very same thing. We have to make sure that we put ourselves in a position to where we recognize that anger is an emotion that all of us have, but learn how to be angry and sin not. Go to, if you will, to Ephesians chapter number four, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 17 right quick. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter number four, and we're going to look at verse number 17. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Did y'all have a blessed Christmas? I mean, I thank God. Listen, we didn't spend a, a, a lot of money buying a, a bunch of gifts and going into debt. And you can have a great Christmas without having to, to, to spend yourself into oblivion. Remember, it's not about gift, it's not necessarily about giving gifts, it's about celebrating the birth of the Savior. Can I get a witness? So, so look at this text here. Let's go. It says, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. Notice what it says. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Live no longer as the Gentiles do. Now, Paul is writing to the church, and when he says live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused, he's talking about people who are not born again. Next verse says in verse number 18, let's read together. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him. The text says this. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. Verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Text says this. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. What he's telling them is, listen, now that you've made a decision for Christ, the old way of doing life has to go away. Now, we still all have that sinful nature that abides in this body. Can I get a witness? But what Paul is telling them is, once you make a conscious decision to invite Christ into your heart, we got to learn to live differently. We have to respond to situations differently than what we did when we were uh, on the other side of Christ before we became a born again believer. And that's critically important for us to get to know. Okay, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Twenty three. Let's read. Instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Let what the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Keep reading. It says what? Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Next verse, let's read. So stop telling lies. Watch this, guys. Watch this. He's talking to the church. 
He tells the church, he tells born again believers to stop telling lies. Now I ain't gonna ask you, have you told a lie this year? But if I'm a betting man, probably all of us are told, if, if you didn't just, well, it's not a lie, it's a lie. A lie is a deliberate attempt to deceive, right? All right? And, 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 and if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves lying because of maybe uh, something that we don't want to do, somebody asks us to do. So, so since we don't want to do it, what we'll do is we'll tell a lie why we can't do it. Rather than just telling the person, you know what, I really don't want to do that. I know you want to go shopping, but I really don't want to go. Instead of saying, I don't want to go, what, you, what do you do? You make up an excuse. Well, child, I got the deceptive tank stopped up. I'm waiting on it. No, you got that done last week. We'll tell a lie rather than just telling the truth. And I'm telling you guys, when, when, whenever you are in a relationship, whether it's husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship, dating, boyfriend, girlfriend relationship, fiance-fiance relationship, if your relationship is such that you can't speak the truth at all times to your mate, then your relationship is not healthy. I'm going to say it again. In your marriage, in your church relationship, if you got to lie to your pastor, then something is not healthy about the relationship. If you got to lie to the persons over your ministry because you don't want to do uh, you know, what they're asking you to do, and, and you, but you don't want to deal with the issue in your heart, you, you lie and say, I got something else to do when you really don't have anything else to do. All you're doing is sitting at home. Guys, healthy relationships require transparency. And, and if, you, if you're going to be in a healthy relationship with God, here's the kicking part about it. God knows our inward parts. And why in the world do we think we can fool God? I don't know. All of us have tried, including myself. I'll, and God knows our hearts. He knows what we're capable of doing. He knows where our fears are. He knows where our insecurity are. And all God asks us to do is to be honest with him. Even about our emotions and what we feel. Because many times we, we, we lie. So Paul says, so stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth for we are all parts of the what? Same body. We are all parts of the same body. We are all part of the body of Christ because when Christ died on the cross, he, he died so that Jew and Gentile can come together as one in the body of Christ. So why are you lying to yourself? When you lie to a fellow Christian, you're lying to yourself because we are all part of the same body. Look at the next verse. Let's read it. Watch this. And don't, and don't, can we read it? Come on, let's go. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Notice what it did not say. It did not say don't sin by getting angry. It didn't say that, did it? It says don't sin by letting anger control you. Anger is a legitimate emotion that all of us as human beings have. It's that what we can't afford to do is allow our emotions to totally control us. Because emotions are part of being human. As a matter of fact, God has emotion. The Bible says all the time that God was angry with his people Israel. God got angry. But the Bible tells us, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Verse number 26 and 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. So anger gives a foothold to the devil. So faith... Let's get back to our, our, our point. Faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reaction. In other words, if you are a professed believer, but you lack 
you let anger control you, something is unhealthy about your relationship with God. Are y'all listening to me today? So every person who's known for angry outbursts, I'm here to tell you, I'm preaching to you, I'm preaching to everybody, but specifically you who can't control your anger. The Bible says specifically that, 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 that you put yourself in a position to where you won't be able to please God. And you better check yourself because there's, there's something unhealthy beneath the surface that drives that. James is famous for emphasizing the practical outworking of faith in the Christian life. That's why I want to unpack some of his key applications that we learn about faith from this book here. A key point he makes in this regard is that a person who has faith in God will seek to avoid angry reactions toward others. A person who has faith in God and understand how faith works will seek to avoid angry action, angry reaction toward others. An angry, listen to what I'm getting ready to tell you, an angry mindset is incompatible with faith in God. I'm going to repeat that. An angry mindset. Some of y'all I, I, I get a little concerned about because you're always mad about something. Hello? You're always angry. If you're always angry, if, you're all, if, if, if there's never a peaceful uh, period in your life where you're not blowing up about something, check the healthiness of your relationship. Because when the peace of God that surpasses all understanding starts to keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus, it'll stop angry outbursts. Are y'all tracking with me today? Now, listen. Again, faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reaction. An angry mindset, a mindset is a way of thinking. An angry mindset is incompatible with faith in God. I didn't say you don't get angry, but a mindset is a pattern of thinking. And there are people who are in the church who have a pattern of thinking that's, that's, that's laced with anger. Okay? And this brings to mind the importance of walking in the Spirit. As we walk in dependence on the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit emerges in our lives including love, joy, and peace. Go to Gal- you, you can go, when you get home, look at Galatians 5 and 22. We talked about the fruit of the Spirit. If the fruit of the Spirit is being produced in our life, there ought to be some love, joy, and peace, and not all the angry moments. All the angry reaction. An angry mindset is incompatible with faith in God. Amen? Now watch, watch this. Okay, so, so love, joy, and peace cried out anger in a person's life. So faith shows itself in the avoidance of angry reactions. Next thing I want you to think about and and put this down in your memory bank. Faith shows itself in being a doer of the word. James 1, 22 through 25. Faith shows itself in being a doer of the word. How many of y'all know people who do a lot of talking? How many of y'all have been talked to? How many of y'all have been told, baby, I love you, but then the actions show something different. Anybody in the house? See, some people I'm convinced don't even really know what love is. Because if you say you love Jesus, I love you, Jesus. I worship and adore you. Just want to tell you that I love you more than anything. Do you really? Because love is a what? Action word. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Love 
will manifest itself in some outward form of action. It's not enough just to say it. It's not enough just to think it, but love will show itself. Look what James 1 and 22 says. Come on, let's go. So faith shows itself in being a doer of the word. The text says this, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Can we read that out loud on purpose together? Let's ready to read. It says what? But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. All right, so, so watch this, guys. Listen, as, as the pastor of this church for the past 31 years, the, the thing I said before I, before I agreed to come pastor this church, and again, I was not looking to pastor church. That was not on my radar. I promise you it was not. It's probably one of the last things that I ever thought I would find myself doing. But everybody say, but God. See, some of y'all are here in this church and some of y'all are here in this city and you're living here and you're not even from here. You never would have thought had I tapped you on the shoulder at 25 and told you you'd be living in Benton, Louisiana and going to a church that's passed by Don Adam Senior, you probably would have cussed me out at 25. Blank and blank, I ain't never been to Louisiana, I ain't going to Louisiana. But you're here. See, we don't ever know what God is going to do uh, in, 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 in directing our f- of, of footsteps and our pathways. I've just learned to trust him, Lou. Because I know that if I trust him, he's going to take me exactly where he wants me to go. Are y'all listening to me today? Now watch this. So the word of God, I'm going to preach the word of God to you, but, 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 but it's up to you to receive it and to act upon it. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Next verse says what? For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. And for you, you see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. You see yourself, you walk away and forget what you look like. Next verse, let's read. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for hearing it. God will bless you for coming to church. Every Sunday. No, what does it say? God, if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it, not having heard it. And that's the problem that many Christians find themselves in. They hear word. You may dial into the the, the broadcast. You may come on Sundays. uh, You may even be a part of class uh, and learning what the word of God says, but you're not doing it. I would submit to you, hear me carefully, I would submit to you that for accountability purposes, it would be better for you to be in a church that don't teach you anything and you not do the word of God than to be in a church that's teaching you specifically what you do in this situation based on what God's word says and you know what God's word says, but you refuse to do it. Because you held to a higher standard because you know to him that knows to do good and do it not, it is what? Sin. Sometimes people don't know because they hadn't been taught. But I, I, let me let me give let, let me tell you, fellow Elizabethans, I will not be guilty of not giving you the Word of God and giving you the, the the discipleship track where you can plug in and learn how to grow in your faith. If you ain't growing, it's because you don't want to grow. If you're not connected to discipleship training, it's because you don't want to. Now, it's hard for some of us to fathom that we say we love God, but we really don't want to get close to God. 
How, Pastor, you don't know me. You, you, how, how you can say, I don't want to get close to God? Well, can I, can I use Bible? Can we, can we go to Bible? Go to John 1 and 1. Can we find John 1 and 1? I, I'll, uh, I'm going to, I want to show you something right quick. Because sometimes we go based off of what we feel and what we, we say stuff that we really don't even know what we're talking about half the time. So if I, if I, if I tell Moraria that I love her when we were courting and we were dating, but I never spent any time with her, John 1 and 1, there's, there's, something, there's something wrong with my love. Hello? If you tell me you love Jesus, but you don't ever do anything for Jesus, you don't ever connect with him, you don't ever sit down and listen to what he's got to say and learn what, what it takes to please him, I'm going to call you a lie because the Bible will call you a lie. Not everyone that said to me, Lord, Lord, go into the kingdom of God, but he that what doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. James says, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own self. So when you're sitting there knowing what's been taught, knowing what's been put out there, I don't care what area. Let's say when it comes to whatever, just uh, connecting with the discipleship training process. You remember the church, but you refuse to connect. I, I know members who've been in part of church 25 years, and for 25 years, they may be good people, but they never connect to discipleship training. I, I got to do them on. Well, no, if you're part of a ministry, part of that is, is that you connect to the teaching program. And because if we're going to learn and grow together as a church, hello, it takes all of us coming together to make us be the vessel that God wants EBC to be. So I'm, I'm telling you right now, I love you, but I'm going to keep urging you to connect. If you're a member of this church and you don't support it financially. Hello? You're hearing word, but you're not doing word. And, I, and let, by the way, let me say this. I thank God for the faithfulness of the body of believers here at EBC. I, listen, you guys have been off the chain. Before the pandemic, during the pandemic, you're going to be doing that after the pandemic. God has blessed this church tremendously. And I thank God for your support of the work of ministry. So I'm not saying this as a fussing. This is a teaching tool. Because I know people who are members of the church, but they don't support the church. And Paul said it. In, in, I think it's First Corinthians 16 chapter about lay by in your stores. The Lord has blessed you. Bring it, bring, bring it on the first day of the week. And, and as the Lord has blessed you, so and support the work of ministry. We know that it takes money to operate in ministry. I'm going to say something. It takes money to do live stream. And, to, and, and guys, we struggled with it for a while. But now we think we got it where, where it needs to be. We have to, we have to eventually get a dedicated line so that the, the, the live stream will stop buffering. Because all these folks on the, on the line, when they, when they sell you the product, they'll tell you, get up to one gig. The optimal word is up to. And it never makes it up to. And when you're trying to stream video across the internet and all these other folks are on it, it starts to buffer. So we had to get a dedicated line to make sure that those who are out there and across this country, across this globe, can dial into our, our, our broadcast and it not be buffering and stop. Because people will turn you off like that, won't they? When it's not, when it's not right online. See, in church, sometimes what we do, we do this number right here. If, if we, we're ready to go. Any of y'all ever did that before? 
And people, when people do it, share it, look like they're trying to hide when they go out. We see you with your hand up. But my, my point is this, guys. It's easier to click off when you're online than to get up and leave in the middle of the service while you're here at church. But my point is, it, 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 it's, it's taking a lot of work. It's taking a lot of resources to make that happen. But you guys have been so faithful in supporting working ministry. And it takes a dedicated team. I, I'm telling you, um, I, I, we, we're going to, we'll, the, the team that's been here since the beginning of this pandemic and working behind the scenes, making sure that, that we can get the message out. All, it, takes, it takes more than what, sometimes people think you just show up on Sunday morning and it gets done. Baby, that's a whole lot that goes on behind the scene that, that 95% of people don't even aware of what goes on. So I thank God for the team that enables us to do what we do. Let's give them a hand right quick. Oh, come on, y'all can do better. And you out there viewing live stream, give this team a hand from sound to media to, to, to internet, all this stuff that had to come together to make it happen. We thank God for the team. Because if, if we didn't have this team, guys, I'm telling you, I, I just show up and preach. Now, I don't know, if, I don't know. If, listen, they told me, back up, get out the way, you just show up and preach. And I'm going to tell you, that is, it took me a long time to get to that point, Tony, where I can recognize, you know, that, that's other folk who can do stuff a whole lot better and faster than I can. And by the time I fill a fart around and, and, and figure out how to do it, they could have done it five times. And we could have saved that time and I could have used that time doing something else in the word, counseling or whatever. So I thank God for the team that enables us to do what we're doing and have been able to do. And God's going to use us to do even greater things to that avenue. Media ministry, sound ministry, uh, internet uh, team that, that makes sure everything is kosher and on point. Man, I thank God for that. That is a blessing that, that you, you don't really fully know that unless you know the behind the scenes stuff. So watch it, watch it. Listen, again, I'm going back to what I said. See, many people say they love Jesus. But if you love somebody or love a thing, you will be connected to that thing you say you love. And I want to say this to, to, to anybody who's in a relationship, you're married now, and maybe you've allowed the, the quote, the love to get stale and cold. I'm going to tell you something. Marriages, good marriages don't just happen. You have to work on them. It's not enough just to come down the aisle and say, I do. That's the beginning of the journey. And when you start working on any relationship, whether it's a friendship, whether it's an employee, employer relationship, those relationships have to be developed and we have to learn how to do relationship well. Most people don't know how to do that. But we, we're learning how to, when we get our emotions under control, we, we, we can get there. Amen? Watch what the text says. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. And the word what? Was God. Look at the next verse. Watch this. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. Now he's saying the word, the word is being personified as a him. Hint, hint, it's talking about Jesus. God created everything through him, Jesus, and nothing was created except through him, Jesus. Read on. Next verse is what? The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought what? Light to what? To everyone. Skip down to verse number 10 with the right. Let's go to verse 10. Watch this. What am I trying to say? For those of you all who are listening to me who say you love Jesus, but you never spend any time with his word, 
I'm going to challenge your love. This day, on the last Sunday in the year 2020, I'm going to challenge your concept of what love is. Because I, 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 I would submit to you that, that if you don't spend any time with the word and the word was Jesus, the word was in the beginning, wasn't anything made except the word made it. And you run away from your time with the Lord in the word. And maybe I told you before, maybe if you struggle reading or whatever, the comprehension, there's ways to get beyond that. If you have a desire to want to know and, and grow, there's a way to get it done. And all you got to do is say, hey, pastor, listen, I need, I need a little help in this area. We can help you with that. Amen. But to, but but for you to not engage and to say you love Jesus, I'm going to I'm going to challenge your concept of love. I'm going to say you deceive because James says you deceive because you hear word, but you don't do word. So you're in self-deception. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. Who is he? Jesus. Next verse. Let's read. Come on, let's go. He came to his own people. How many of y'all ever been rejected by your own people? He came to his own people and even they rejected him. Next verse. Watch this. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. See, Jesus, amen, is the word. So you can't love Jesus and, 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 and hate his word. You can't say I love Jesus and I'm close to him, but you're not close to his word. Amen. So, so get back to our, our, our point. The, 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 the thing that this verse, these verses 22 through 25 shows us is that faith shows itself in being a doer of the word. James stressed the importance of righteous conduct that flows out of living faith. Repeat that again. James stressed the importance of, of, of a righteous conduct that flows out of a living faith. In other words, my doing right by God it's not just because I'm trying to look good for people. My doing right by God should flow out of the faith that's being built up on the inside of me. My doing right for God should flow out of my time being with God. My service to God should flow out of my time being with God. Are you with me today? He, James says it's not enough to be a hearer of God's word. One must be a doer of God's word. He stressed that faith without works is dead. And he, what, what do you mean by that, Pastor? It means that our faith in Christ must show itself in the way we live. Now, all of us probably can point at ourselves at certain points in time, and I'll walk with the Lord. I know I can. Where my, where my living didn't line up with my faith walk. Okay, can we be honest? Have you had a period or time where you made a decision and choice? You're like, man, I wish I could have that back. Man, I regret that I made that decision. I made that choice. Man, I, wow, that, that was not God honoring. I, I need to see the hands of everybody here who made a decision since you've been saved that was not God honoring. Can we, this, this is therapy today. I, I'm, I'm trying to get the pride out of the way. Because there's some folks who come to church and make, and make it seem like they ain't done anything wrong. I'm, I'll be the first to admit that every decision I made has not been God honoring. Because if I get in my feelings, if I get in my flesh, and I make a choice, a decision uh, that, that, that doesn't line up with God's word, that's when it usually happens when I'm in my feelings and in my flesh. So we gotta, we gotta guard, guard, we gotta guard against that, amen? So faith will show itself in being a doer of the word. The next point I want you to, to make note of 
is faith shows itself in the avoidance of prejudice. Let's go to the second chapter of James. In the avoidance of prejudice. Now, here we go. See, this country, these United States of America, really has a day of reckoning that it hasn't really fully dealt with. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in America hasn't fully dealt with a problem that's percolating beneath the surface, but people like to pretend like it's not there. And that's the sin of racism and prejudice. Hello? Partiality. I'm going to tell you something. Until the church gets it right, you hear me? Look at me. Sure as I'm black and standing here, until the church gets it right, the world won't get it right. And I'm, I'm on a mission to challenge the church to be the church. I'm on a mission to, to, to challenge the church to stand up for righteousness. And don't just not be something, but be against sin. That's a, and guys, there's a difference between not being for something and then coming out against something. Most people will sit back and see a scenario happen and they won't speak up for righteousness. They'll just say, well, I ain't in that. If you are a believer, when more immorality shows its ugly head, you have a responsibility to speak up and speak the truth. And when you don't do that, then, then you're not representing your God very well. Faith shows itself in the avoidance of prejudice. Look at what the text says here. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus if you favor some people over others? Watch what he says. He said, Look, this is James talking to the church, talking to believers. Next verse, let's read. Watch this. For example, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry. And another comes in who is poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? And listen, we got to be careful because sometimes we'll make judgments and determination of people based on what they look like on the outside. Huh? We automatically assume certain things because of what they look like, how they're dressed, what their skin, skin tone is. And I'm here to tell you, I, here's what I learned to do. I learned to, to, to meet a person and don't, and especially don't make determinations and judgment on people based on what the enemy says about it. Because the enemy will always tell you the, neg- the negativity or they're going to paint a picture that's less than rosy. Get to know people first before you start trying to figure out who they are. Amen. Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom he promised to those who love him? Next verse. Let's come on. Let's go. Ready? Read. But you dishonor the poor. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed. It is good when you obey the royal law as found in the scripture. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, what does he say here? You are committing a sin. Discrimination, prejudice, prejudging. The word prejudice, prejudge. If you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. 
Look at the text says, for the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you still have broken the law. Isn't it amazing how we, we think the other person's sin is worse than ours? Isn't that right? Your stuff stinks worse than mine. No, sin is sin and it stinks in the nostril of God. So if we're going to be a church, if we're going to be individual Christians who God can utilize to advance his kingdom principles, guys, we got to make sure that our faith is genuine and our faith is real. Look at the next verse. Watch this. Come on, let's go. He says what? Ready to read. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. Next verse, read. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. True faith also shows itself in the way we treat other people. How do you treat people? What are you known as? Well, well Pastor, you don't you understand you know, how they hurt me? No, no, no. How, how do you treat people? More specifically, a person of faith Again, listen to me carefully. A person of faith does not discriminate against others. If you're really walking in faith, your faith is being revealed when you don't discriminate. And let me say something. Anybody is capable of discriminating. Black or white. Asian or Hispanic. All of us are capable of discriminating. That theology that says that, well, you can't be racist because you're depressed. Baby, let me tell you something. That ain't what the Bible says. The Bible says, uh, in, in talking to the church, I'm dealing with the church. If you, as a born-again believer, hear this word and you reject it, you're rejecting Jesus. So it goes both ways. Hello? All right, now watch this, watch this. So, faith shows itself in the avoidance of presence. Faith in God is incompatible with an attitude that shows favoritism toward the wealthy and discriminating against the poor. Now, y'all know it happens all the time in society, right? We'll listen to a Bill Gates. Huh? How many of y'all know Jeff Bezos? Founder of Amazon, probably the richest person in the entire globe. You know, I, 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 was, I was reading about his, uh, his ex-wife because Jeff got caught up in some stuff and he, he and his wife divorced. But his ex-wife named Mackenzie Scott uh, recently gave away, I think, about $3.5 billion to charity. She gave a lot of dollars to a, a lot of HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. I mean, did y'all hear what I just said? In this year, gave away $3.5 billion, I believe it was, to charity. Giving. So, I say that to say this, and I, I don't know the lady. All I know is, is that, that, when, that, that when, when God gives us great resources, he blesses us to be a blessing. And if you want to gather great resources, you can hoard it to yourself. God don't bless those kind of folks. Now, I'm not saying you can't get rich on your own. You can. 
Because in, in a capitalistic system, if you come up with a good idea and you sell it, people buy it, you can get rich. But I, I would rather have that, the, 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 the richness that comes from God's blessing. And, and knowing that, that, that if those riches fade away tomorrow, it still won't affect me because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. That woman gave away $3.5 billion and some people are too stingy to give away $5 for somebody to get something to eat. Too stingy or so non-obedient where you won't support your ministry to help your ministry do whoever you are, support your ministry to do the work of ministry in, in, in the community that it serves in. Guys, let me tell you something. Faith, hear me carefully, faith shows itself in the avoidance of prejudice. The biblical pattern is that we must love all people for the sake of Christ. Everybody say all people. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter what you don't have. God wants us and he requires us to love all people. And I'm here to tell you, that's what we're going to do here. If you're going to, listen, if you're going to be a part of this ministry, learn how to love all people. Whether they're black, white, yellow, brown, it doesn't matter. We're going to be a ministry that does it God's way to the best of our ability. Amen. God has called us, I believe, has called this church to be a living example, as he has all churches. But I'm talking to EBC members right now when I say this. He's called us to be a living example. He don't want us to sit on the back burner. He wants us to come to the forefront and say, show the world how it looks when a church will yield their will to mine and do what I tell them to do. And that's what I believe God's doing. Next thing, watch it. The absence of benevolent actions reveals a dead faith. The absence of benevolent actions reveals a dead faith. Here we go. Look at verse 14. Watch this. Come on, let's go. These are, these are key applications, uh, key concepts about faith that reveal in the book of James. When, when, when good is that, when, when good is, what good is it? I'm sorry. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Next verse. Watch this. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. And you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? I was reading an article just the other day about a young, young African-American lady up in Arkansas, not too far, like six, eight miles outside of Little Rock. She, uh, one day, she uh, just before Christmas, she went to a couple of Kroger's in, in some neighborhoods that, that served maybe some under, underprivileged type people and she went and spent over I think almost $30,000 buying groceries for, for people uh, uh, at those two Kroger stores. See that's the kind of stuff I want to see us do. I want to see us be, be blessed to the point to where we, we just go to the grocery store and say hey listen the next five people that come through tell them just come on through I got to tell you. Come on. That's the kind of church I want us to be. I want us to be a giving church, and we are. Y'all do a good job of that. But I want us to individually, amen, take that same mindset and say, in my own life, as the Lord blesses me, I'm going to bless somebody else. Some of y'all so stingy, you don't even think about blessing somebody else. You hold on to a dollar so tight, it's hollering right now in your pocket. Ah, let me go, ah, let me go. Hello? Look at what the text says. See, your faith is genuine. Not when you do this. 
and you say goodbye and have a good day. I'm praying for you. Stay warm. Eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. James says, what good does that do? Hello? Like guys, all things been equal. You understand that, that, that you have to survey the situation and, and be prideful about it. But uh, what I'm saying is when there's an identified need that the Holy Spirit leads you to meet that need, meet the need. Amen? True faith meets the need. You don't just pray for them. I'm praying for y'all. Well, what can you do? And sometimes it shocks people when you say, well, what, what can I do for you? Well, you know, just, just, just pray. Now, you know you ain't got no food, but you won't say, you know what? I really need some groceries. Pride. All right. Look at what the text says again. Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well. But then you won't give that person any food or clothes. What, what good? What good does that do? Look at the next verse. Come on, street. Come on. We got to move. It says, so, so you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. No need you talking about you got faith, but then it's not being uh, uh, manifested by corresponding action. He says it's dead, it's useless. Next verse, come on, let's go. Says what? Now, someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show, how, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith. Okay, my, we're a little bit faster. Back up. So, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Next verse, let's go. Come on. Uh, so, you, you say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. There's a lot of folk who, who don't even know the Lord say, well, I believe there's a God. Demons believe it. Those warnings in that pig and the swine said, Jesus, don't, don't talk about us before the time. They knew who Jesus was. Watch this. Watch this. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Come on. Next verse. Read. Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? Next verse says, you see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith. His actions made his faith. His actions made his faith complete. What does that mean? My faith is not complete unless it is backed up by some corresponding action. The action that I do must line up with the faith that I say I have, what I believe. If I really believe give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, run over men, given their bosom for the same measure you meet out to be measured back unto you again. If I truly believe that, you think you can stop me from giving? Because it says give and it shall be given unto me. So those who are givers recognize that as they sow and they release, God's going to bless them with more to sow more, to give more, to bless people more. You see, his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. Next verse, come on. It says, and so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Not because he kept the law perfectly, because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. Now, man, when you call the friend of God, man, you, you, you're, you're in good company. Look at the next verse. Come on, let's go. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do. Not by faith alone. Faith is not complete without corresponding action. Look at the next verse, 25 and 26. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Now, guys, listen. 
I got about six or seven more to go, and we'll pick those up on next week. And I'll finish that next week, okay? James gives us insight into what true faith is. And these concepts will help get us to where we need to be in God. If the wall, with the wall that, we, that many of us may be going through right now, it takes us through different stages in the faith wall. And so I want you to know that faith is what, take, what it takes to please God. And I, we can talk, we can, we can surmise, we can pontificate, but when it, boils, when it boils down to, if I'm not doing this stuff, if I'm just talking about it, if I'm just studying it, but I'm not doing this stuff, faith without works is what? Dead. It's useless. It won't accomplish anything. I didn't say you weren't saved. I said your faith is dead. And your ability to, to advance the kingdom principle is stunted as a result. Let's move forward. And we'll pick it up next week and unpack the rest of these. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, we thank you.